Some real-life insights today from Pastor Ray Bentley. You are never going to get to the point where you're not going to have bad thoughts or wicked thoughts or lustful thoughts or prideful thoughts or covetous thoughts. But Lord, what can I do? He will not condemn you for having the thought. But now take that thought captive and say, Christ, help me. The moment you take your thought captive to Christ, oh, amazing, that's where maturity begins to settle in. Spread news. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. If we take a certain bad behavior and call it a sickness or a syndrome, then sinners can conveniently be called victims or sufferers. Today, Pastor Ray helps us get down to the heart of the matter and take responsibility for our own actions. It's a candid look at accountability before our God. Okay, James chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. The word blessed means, oh, how happy. Oh, how happy is the man who is able to endure temptation. Oh, how happy is the woman who is able to endure temptation. The crown of life will be given to you. I think that um, the New Testament talks about seven different crowns that are going to be given uh, out to God's children. I mean, it's hard to imagine, but we're kind of the center of the whole deal. As from heaven's perspective, from God's perspective, uh, what he did and gave his son and what did Jesus do to get his bride? He gave his life. And we are now a royal priesthood. We are royalty. And there are crowns. And then, of course, it says, once we see God, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, it says they will cast their crowns down. And then apparently he goes and puts it back on our head. But anyway, we go on, <laughs> loving him, worshiping him, and adoring him. Oh, how happy is the man who endures temptation for when he is approved. They will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil and nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Excuses that don't make it. Now, the, the title of the message is Taking Responsibility. We take responsibility for our lives. We take responsibility for our choices. We have to take responsibility. Someone has said to err is human, and to blame God is even more human. <laughs> and we blame others. We blame our own loved ones. We'll blame our own family. We'll even blame God. The one person that never makes the list is ourselves. And that's not right. Now in Russia, the, uh, 
you know, the, probably heard the, this, he's almost become a caricature, uh, the evil monk Rasputin, who controlled the Romanov family back in the days of, of Russia past. Here's what he as a priest within that Orthodox family began to share with them. He argued that those who sin more require more forgiveness. And those who sin with abandon experience even greater forgiveness and joy. Therefore, it is the believer's holy duty to sin greatly. Well, you can imagine a worldly people go, that's exactly what we wanted to hear. And to go out and take advantage. But God never ordains or approves sin. And uh, so there are people that say, well, it's fate. You know, God's in charge and God made everything this way, so it's just that's the way it is and it's ordained. No, God never ordains sin. He never approves sin. That's an excuse. So that's taken away from us. The second excuse, the excuse of special circumstances. Others will blame God for putting them in circumstances that are just too much for them. Maybe other people could do it, but I just am too weak and I can't do it. So the student who cheats, because the professor I have is just way too hard, and I'm not that good in this subject, what else could I do? Or the partier who blames his friends, how could I help it? I went to school with them and grew up with them, and they're my friends, and they're partiers, and therefore I'm a partier. Or the couple who says, yeah, we know that it's wrong that a man and a woman live together uh, in a, you know, intimate relationship uh, and then go and call themselves believers, but for us, there's always special circumstances as to why. No, this is what we know, and even it's what we believe, but here's how we actually practice. The excuse of special circumstances is removed. Finally, the excuse of it's my nature. God made me this way. I have these desires, and they must be fulfilled, and so I'm doing the best that I can. No. The word desire here, lust, desire, means any kind of desire and includes but is not limited to sexual passions. That's the one that gets a lot of time and it gets a lot of attention and is salacious and gossipy and people want to hear and know about. But there are other passions and desires that are revealed the drunkenness and the, even the gluttony and the overindulgence that comes from passions and desires that are equally as sin before God. Now here's what I wanna also say though, and this is a very, very important truth. So listen carefully in this next moment. Normal desires, all of the normal desires that you have, physically, uh, mentally and emotionally, all of those normal desires were given to us by God. They are not sinful in and of themselves. And in fact, without those desires, we couldn't function as human beings. Unless we felt hunger and ate, unless we felt thirst and drank, we wouldn't eat or drink and we would die. If we didn't get tired, we wouldn't rest. And guess what? Our bodies would wear out very, very rapidly. Our sexual passions are normal, and God designed them also to be fulfilled. And without it, the human race could not continue. 
And as I put here in your notes, it is when we seek to satisfy these desires outside of God's will that we get into trouble. Inside of God's will, they are to be fulfilled. And in fact, I, I want to say this to you. God, I'm going to just tell you about your father. There's one writer that says uh, his concept as he describes God, God is wild at heart. And what he means is God is your dad. His passions are intense. His love is hot. His heart is fervent. And Jesus was like that. And, and it talks about the zeal that is in the Messiah to fulfill all these things. That's the nature of God. And God made you in his image. So all the desires within you, some people have this idea that now I'm a Christian, I've got to tamp down all these desires I have. No. In fact, to the opposite. God wants every passion and every desire to be like him. Passion. He wants you to love passionately. He wants you to love uh, zealously. He, he wants you to experience life to its richest, deepest, fullest. I came that they might have life and they might have life abundantly. And in fact, God doesn't want to tamp it down. He wants to dial it all the way up that you are in love seeking him. That's why David was a man after God's own heart. He lived passionately for the Lord. Now, there are some religions and there are some philosophies that say, you know what, with all these passions, this is what gets all us human beings into trouble. And why we do all these things to each other and we get jealous and covet and this and that. And so what they say is you've got to get into this meditation and this consciousness and the goal is to get where you don't desire anything at all. And, and may I say to you, that's a lie. That's a lie. That is not your father's wish. Or that's, Why would he make you the way that you are? And then say, now, just deny who I made you to be. He doesn't want you to close your eyes to your passions or to your desires. He wants them fulfilled. But your dad, who made you and created you, says, but this is the way. Here's how to have it all. Every desire, every passion, rich, full, abundant, and overflowing, and yet without guilt, and without shame, and without fear. The marriage bed is undefiled. It is all holy when you walk in God's covenant and commitment to one another, and the body, and all the desires God gave to us there. And so, you know, he, he says, look, surrender then yourself unto me. Walk with me. I will show you and lead you and guide you how to have a rich, abundant, powerful, zealous, overflowing life. Now here's where the world get, you know, gets it partly right and gets it also very, very wrong. The kind of person our culture celebrates. Our culture celebrates the person that lives for all of the passion and all the gusto. You only go around once in this life, so grab for all the gusto you can, so they say. Again, this is exactly what James said. He said, then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. And that's what happens when you only take the passions and leave God as the source of passion out of your life. Now, the source of temptation is us. Now, go back to verse 13 for just a moment. Verse 13, he says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. 
For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. James gives us the reason why we can't blame God. Because God cannot tempt us. Because he cannot be tempted. He is, you might say, untemptable. God is, to put it another way, unsusceptible to evil. Evil has never had any appeal to your Father in heaven. It is repugnant to him. It is abhorrent to him. He sees that it kills and destroys, and therefore he is at war with evil. Evil does not promote even the slightest appealing tug on the heart of God. And because he cannot be tempted, James' conclusion follows, nor does he tempt anyone to sin. So God has never tempted anyone to sin because he can't. It is impossible for him to do that. Now, I will say this. God, while he does not tempt us, he does test us. And he tested Abraham, and he tested Moses, and he, he tested the men and women of faith in the Bible, and he tests you and I. What is the purpose of the test? It is not so that God can find out what's going on inside of us. Why? God already knows. So what is the purpose of the test? It's so that you and I can see what's going on inside of us. God said to the children of Israel, I brought you into the wilderness to test you so that you might see what was really going on inside of your heart. So Matthew 6:13, Jesus said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us far from it, from the evil one. First Corinthians 10, 13, let's read it out loud. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. In the past few months at Maranatha Radio, so many listeners have shared comments on what Pastor Ray's teaching has meant to them. Bless you, Pastor Ray. You ignited my soul in ways I could not have imagined and blessed me with a deepened love for the Bible. You made scripture come to life. Bless your family. Dear Lord, bring his family, especially his wife, Vicki, peace. Praise God, Ray is home. Although he's gone home, his teachings continue here on the radio thanks to the support from listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with Ray Bentley Ministries and Maranatha Radio, just go to our website at www.raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. Now, verse 14, look at this. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Having made a tremendous defense of God's character, James now describes the source of the temptation in no uncertain terms and words. Each one is tempted when he is drawn, when he or she is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Now James was very aware that Satan is busy tempting believers to sin, but he also knew that the real root of the problem is with us. The, uh, there was a priest who had a bunch of young priest recruits who had gone through their training in seminary, and so they had gone and spent their first day, their first full day 
in listening to the confessions of the people coming in. As they got to the end of the day, one young man came up to the older priest and he said, well, how did I do? And he said, well, my son, you did okay for your first day, but let me give you one bit of advice. I just have one word. He said, what is it? He said, my, my encouragement would be that when the person finishes their confession, you've got to learn to say something different from, wow. <laughs> Long time ago, someone once said that when you counsel people, there's only two things important. One, give them the Bible, and two, never act surprised. The truth of the matter is we're all sinners. We're all capable of sin. And when it says here in verse 14 that you're drawn away by the desires and enticed, the word enticed is the language of a fisherman. It's a lure. So the source of the temptation is not God or even the devil. It's, it's our own hearts. So what do we do then when temptation comes? Turn with me to, hold your finger in James, go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 3 through 5. These are some verses that you ought to have highlighted and underlined and buried within your heart. Paul says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's the phrase right there. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Notice what it doesn't say. It does not say that now that you're a Christian and you want to be a deep disciple of the Lord, stop having bad thoughts. Why doesn't it say that? Because it, you, it's not possible. In a broken world, fallen world, and while we're still in these <laughs> broken down bodies, you are never going to get to the point where you're not going to have bad thoughts or wicked thoughts or lustful thoughts or prideful thoughts or covetous thoughts. They're going to come. You can't escape it. It's always going to be there. The question then is, what do I do with these? And what we have a tendency to do is to compartmentalize. And when I'm doing good and feeling good and in the word and in prayer and in my devotions and, and walking in the spirit, uh, hey, everything is great. But then when I'm having shameful thoughts and when I'm, uh, you know, my mind is going places it shouldn't or my heart's feeling things that it shouldn't, then we go, oh, I'm shameful, I'm not worthy. And we, we try on our own as if God doesn't see what's going on. And, and oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm thinking this or feeling this or going through this. Oh, you know, and we, we try and wait usually or until it can pass. But here's what Paul says. Paul says, take those thoughts from your valleys, take those feelings from your dark places, and bring them captive into the very holy of holies. See, we don't have to be afraid for the blood of Christ is already, here's what's amazing. Every sin you have ever committed in the past is forgiven. All of your sin in the present is covered by the blood and every sin we'll ever commit until we go to heaven is already washed and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. So you think, well, how could I bring these horrible things into the presence of the Lord? Hey, guess what? If the Holy Spirit's in you, he already sees it anyway. You're not hiding anything. But what we do consciously is say, Lord, can you believe what I'm thinking right now? Look at that. Amazing. I can hardly believe it. But Lord, what can I do? Here's the thought. He will not condemn you for having the thought. 
but now take that thought captive and say, Christ, what help me? The moment you take your thought captive to Christ and say, Lord, here's what's going on, here's what's pulling me, here's what's luring me, here's what's enticing me, here's what I'm thinking, uh, help. Oh, amazing, that's where maturity begins to settle in. That's where you have invited the Holy Spirit now into those lower places, the valleys of your life, where maturity comes, where patience comes to wait upon the Lord. And now it becomes where growth, the opportunity to grow into maturity in Christ happens. Go back with me to James. He tells us then that there's this process when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin when it is full grown brings forth death. So there's a seed, if you can capture it in the conception in the seed, because if you leave it there, it gives birth. And then that birth grows to maturity or full grown, it brings death, it's like the horror, you know, the opposite of, of what you want something to grow up to become, and it leads to death. So the purpose of trials, Psalm 119, verse 75, I put into your notes. Let's read this scripture out loud together. I know, O Lord, that your judgments are right, and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. What does all this mean? The Bible tells us that God uses afflictions and trials to move us to a place of humility and repentance. But the way that he does it is so gracious. He doesn't stand there yelling at you and condemning you. It's, he does it as a favor. Son, you don't want to see? Yeah, thank you for sharing your thoughts with me and your heart with me. And uh, now turn this way because you don't want to go that way. Look how much it hurts you. And you start appreciating the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Daddy. I don't want to do that again to myself and what I do to others. It's a horror. Thank you. You start appreciating, wow, he's like my dad. He's, every time he tells me something, it makes my life improve. It makes it grow more rich and more full and more abundant. Finally, maturity is when you're not afraid of him pointing something out. You start going to him. Hey, is there anything going on that you want to tell me about? Because every time you help me, my life gets better. Search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. It is good. And now you know that your dad is on your side, which of course he is. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son, in whom he delights. I put this little sentence in there, God's education consists in leading one to being able to do freely what at first one had to be compelled to do. It's when you decide, you know, hey, now I'm gonna live pure, now I'm gonna live consecrated to you because I want to. I choose to freely of my own heart. You don't need to make me anymore. I have tasted the fruits of walking in the Holy Spirit. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, Proverbs says. And our Lord, who is our, the lover of our soul, though he wounds us, we find that he sticks closer than a brother. From the book of James, Pastor Ray Bentley with some candid insights today on personal responsibility and the purpose of trials. Glad you've joined us here on Maranatha Radio. Today's study is titled, Taking Responsibility. If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com.
There at the homepage, there's a place to leave a tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. And by clicking Media, you'll see the words Watch, Radio, and Devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can arrange to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions each day, automatically, at no charge. And also link to his YouTube and Facebook pages. Why not bookmark it? RayBentley.com. And you'll find Pastor Ray's books, The Cyrus Mandate and As the Days of Noah, both prophetic fiction novels in the Elijah Chronicle series. And RayBentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. And you can also donate securely right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Well, next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of James. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.